If you've not been with us or not been in contact with or on the web, on the sermons, we've been going through the wanderings of the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt in the desert. Sandals in the sand, one has titled, entitled it. We've gone through about seven different murmurings of the people of God in the desert. Um, <clears throat> you'd say I'd murmur if I was in the desert too. Well, they had a lot of provisions in the desert. They weren't just on their own. God was with them. Last week, we were in chapter 11. Remember, they murmured about the leeks and the onions that they were missing out down in Egypt. The flesh pots, the flesh pots of Egypt. And Moses was angered with them, so was the Lord. And God gave them flesh to the full until it what? Came out their nostrils. <laughs> it was pretty gross, but that's the way it described it. That these people murmuring against God. You know, carnal Christians, people not doing the right thing. The next chapter is chapter 12, of course, but we won't, we're not doing that because that's a bit short for the morning service. Then there's the 12 spies sent out and the rejection of the 10 to go in the land. Then chapter 16 that we're reading and looking at this morning. Now, you say, well, why did you skip all those? Because we're into the same uh, discussion and Rebellion that's in chapter 12 as in chapter 16 and 16 has a, a lot more and it's a morning and an evening event as I said today so if you've got your outline on WhatsApp or however it, it comes to you then you can follow it along or just listen to the sermon today <clears throat> challenging God ordained leadership is the topic of today it's prevalent everywhere Right from the top down. We have in the world the East and the West, don't we? The East. What sort of countries are they? What religion do they have or what belief do they have? <laughs> Atheism. They don't believe in God. And therefore there is a vacuum field because God is the authority, is he not? <laughs> Man gave the authority to the devil, of course. And he offered the kingdoms to the Lord Jesus Christ on the temptation the devil did. All these things will I give you if you'll fall down and worship me. <clears throat> but governments today, when they are atheistic in their ideas, are rebelling against God. They say there isn't a God. That's it. <laughs> so there's a vacuum. And who do they fill it with? They fill it with dictators. People who are pretty mean to men because they're very humanistic in their thinking. What they think goes in those countries. It's very hard to live as a Christian in those countries. Now, let's go to the West. In the West, we have a basis, in our constitutions even, that God does exist. So far. But in our universities, in our schools... They've been lectured and taught that he does not exist. We evolved from monkeys. And so we're throwing God out also, the authority that is. And in the place of God, we're going to have little dictators come in our country and in the Western world. It'll be interesting to see what happens in America this week. <laughs> Because these people are operating on their own reasonings. 
what they think is best for the people. Um, <clears throat> that's not only in governments. It goes all the way down the authority ladder. Does it not? <laughs> you think in, in um, the family. God has given a leadership structure. Wives obey your husbands. In spiritual matters, husbands teach the family. There's that responsibility, and when that is advocated or when it's taken over by one of the, the one that's not assigned that leadership, then there's troubles. Now we have spiritual matters, and this is what this is talking about. The authority taken over by those that shouldn't have it. Challenging God-ordained authority, and it's prevalent everywhere. I learned a valuable, valuable lesson about 50 years ago <laughs> when I was a deacon. I don't look that old, do I? <laughs> 50, 50, I can't think, almost 50 years ago, 48 and a half. <laughs> I'd been uh, chosen by the church, Calvary Baptist Church, as a deacon. And Tony James had been chosen at the same time, elected by the church to be a deacon. And I went to my first deacons meeting. It was at Tony James's place, actually, down at Clayton. And uh, <clears throat> we, we went in, and then things erupted. And, you know, this is all new to me. <laughs> I hadn't been in a situation where there was an argument. And an elder deacon was doing a cora on the then pastor, Pastor Ronald DeYoung. He was doing what these fellows were doing to Moses. I actually walked out I couldn't I couldn't hack it this is growing men talking like that to each other and I thought this is not Christian and so I left the I respected Pastor Couch who was there before Pastor DeYoung and I respected Pastor DeYoung I also respected the deacon because I'd known him all my life <laughs> he knew me before I knew him and so it was a situation, you know, you have respect for these people, but you don't have respect for what they're doing. The deacon did this, and I've shared this before some years ago, that he, he got a box of apples. I don't know if it was on that night or not or later. And he put a bad apple in the middle of it and gave it to the pastor. And what he was saying to Pastor DeYoung, you know, one rotten one makes the rest go rotten. That's, I don't know if you put a note in, but that was the idea. <laughs> now, I haven't got a, bad, a box of apples from anyone with a rotten one in it, so praise the Lord. <laughs> Still here. <laughs> but that's, now, it, it wasn't based on doctrine. It wasn't based on the truth of God's word. It was based on personality, you know. Pastors have different personalities. Yeah. Pastor Couch, if you knew him, he was a bubbly, effervescent sort of bloke. Yeah, yeah he, he pastored here, actually, for a year, didn't he? He bought this block of land when you were back then. <clears throat> um, Pastor De Young was a different nature and different character. But that's what the problem was. But praise the Lord, the story ended well. <laughs> praise the Lord that the deacon, he contracted cancer. I went down to see him because, you know, I still respected him. This is about more than 20 years ago. It was, but it was 20 years from the occasion of the deacon's meeting and talked with him and he said, you'll be glad to know 
that I got it right with Pastor DeYoung. <laughs> he got it right. He invited Pastor DeYoung up and they sorted it out. But it took all those years. Ah, do it earlier than that. Save the church the heartache. Save the people the problems. Sort it out. Let God be God. Well, challenging God-ordained leadership. <clears throat> we have here, it was first by the relatives in Numbers 12, but then we're going over that to chapter 16, 16 of Numbers. We have the conspiracy of the rebels in verses 1 to 17. So keep your marker there or finger in Numbers 16. <clears throat> These people that rose up against Moses are not the dregs of the people. They're distinguished people. They're quality men. They're renowned amongst the congregation. Korah was the ringleader and Dathan Abiram was his cohorts. <laughs> Moses, remember, was advised by his father-in-law Jethro to appoint people over groups of thousands, thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. These might have been appointed at that time by Moses himself in the position that they had. We see in verse 2, and, and they were a distinguished group. Look at the tribe they come from, look who, how they were involved or what they were involved with. We'll, we'll go through that. Verse 2, they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation of the men. Men of renown. No doubt they had been talking amongst themselves for quite a time before this. They'd been backbiting, they'd been gossiping, they'd been nagging against Moses and his leadership. It didn't come all of a sudden, oh, well, we, we don't want Moses over us. This has come as they've talked about Moses behind his back. Now, remember Moses said himself, he said, I'm slow of speech at the burning bush. I can't defend myself on my feet. You know what it's like to be like that if you don't, don't wish it upon yourself. <laughs> but you can't bring it to memory and answer. But afterwards you can remember, I should have said this and I should have said that in defense of the truth. But these were well-spoken people. Uh, <clears throat> six things that the Lord hates, and we'll be sharing this in the evening as well. The last two are, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Psalm 26 verse 4, I have not sat with vain persons, neither did I go with the dissemblers. And we'll use that one tonight too. <laughs> I didn't go with the dissemblers. What's a dissembler? He causes problems in the camp. And this is what was happening with Korah and his mates. <clears throat> It says in scripture, a man's foes shall be they of his own house. If you read chapter 12, Aaron and Miriam got all over Moses about, you know, who do you think you are, Moses? This is the problem. Who do you think you are, preacher? <laughs> who do you think you are? This is mob violence against the leadership. And folks, with the elections and election that has happened, Praise the Lord, in Australia, we still have civility. We're civil toward one another after an election. In America, it might not be so this week. Who knows what's going to happen? All these preppers getting ready for something. But anyway, we'll leave that. That's there 
issue over there. But I say if the people get there that others don't want, there's probably going to be violence. <laughs> but here was mob violence before the election. Well, truly, Moses had been elected already, but these wanted in on it. These mutinous men, these divisive people, these that sowers of discord amongst the people. God wants his people to be at harmony, to be at tune with one another. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in what? Unity, Christian unity, Christian truth, love and truth. Not, not practicing this mob of violence. In Acts 20 and verse 30, Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples unto themselves. That's what's happening here. Just like it was in the early church at, the, at <laughs> Ephesus of all places. A doctrinally sound church according to Revelation chapter 2. They lacked love. That was the one thing they did miss. But there were people going to arise, even of your own selves. Paul didn't know who it was amongst the group he was talking to, but one of them or two of them were going to lead a crew, a crowd against the leadership. And, and the leadership of that church, and look at the leadership. John the Apostle was one of them. He had been. And others that were in that, Paul had been in that church. <clears throat> Absalom, remember him? He, tried, he made a grab for the leadership in the kingdom over his own father, David. In 2 Samuel 15, Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel for the people increased continually with Absalom. And poor old David, old David, <laughs> where Absalom rose up and tried to take over the kingdom. And David had to flee, remember. As an old man, praise God for those that stuck with him, that went out with him. And even, even in all that, what was David's reaction toward Absalom? Look, Joab, don't kill him. If you find him, capture him, but don't kill him. But they killed him, didn't they? And David was distraught that they disobeyed him, that his son was killed, even though his son rose up and kicked him out of, the, out of Jerusalem, as he did. Mob violence. This happens. It's, it's like a pack of dogs when they go in amongst the sheep on the farm. I remember them doing that. And they just wreak havoc amongst the sheep as they tear them apart. They don't kill to eat. They kill for fun of it. And this can happen. And you say, Christians can do that? Well, you're Christians, yeah. But people who are in the church who call themselves Christians, who maybe aren't Christians, stir the pot too. They're in on it. <clears throat> Now, if I, <laughs> I won't do it, don't worry. <laughs> if I were to go into your kitchen and put a bug in there, you know, a recorder, whatever you call it, you can do it today, pretty easy, really, <laughs> and put it there so small. What would you be saying around the kitchen table about the leadership here? Would you be able to say it here in front of everybody, or would you be ashamed? Just saying that. And in any church that goes. You see, I know things are said. I've got relatives who are in other churches and I hear what they say. <laughs> Not that I'm a part of it because I don't know anything about it. But yes, things are said. People are put down. I, could, I can hear this, you know, about me. He's not progressive enough. Have you said that? 
He's too old fashioned. Are we? <laughs> Good, thanks. That was a commendation, I think, <laughs> from an old fashioned bloke. <laughs> oh, he's too old. <laughs> he speaks too much on prophetical things. He doesn't stroke our ego. A lot of churches do. He doesn't visit us. He's too insistent on standards. Do you want me to go on? <laughs> They've probably been said in your house. You see, God knows. I don't have to. <laughs> he knows. Don't do it. It's to your own detriment that you do. Because God's listening in. And so they rose up. We're not going to get far, are we? We're going to have to finish this. They we have to finish it because the evening service starts at verse 18. <laughs> and it's already recorded. <clears throat> they railed on Moses in verse 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. It's almost uh, like he's buttering them up there, but it didn't take long to reveal what they were really thinking. You know, Moses, do what Jethro said. Do it a little bit more. Give us the leadership. Go all the way. <laughs> this is what they were saying. Their accusation. Take too much on yourself. Ye lift up yourselves above the congregation. Now's their true motive is being revealed. <clears throat> uh, who, they said, are as just as holy as you. They're just as important as you. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Moses? These accusations reveal their pride, their ambition, and emulations. You know, the estate agent says, if you're buying a house, position, position, position. And <laughs> that's what these guys wanted. Position, position, position. I want your job. That's what they were saying to Moses. You're too slow of speech. You need to get out of here. Listen, what had already happened in, <laughs> to Israel? Ten plagues. At the hand of, the Mo of Moses, who they were talking to, <laughs> he had smitten the rock and water had gushed down. He had put his rod over the sea and the sea parted and they walked through on dry land. Water, bitter waters. All these things had already happened, yet they're saying this against the God-ordained leader. They had absolute evidence that he was the one God chose. But they were still kicking against him. <clears throat> they are very much like a man in the New Testament called Diotrephes. In 3 John verse 9 and 10 and 11 it reads, <clears throat> I wrote, John wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among them received us not, wherefore if I come I will remember his deeds which he doeth. Prating against us with malicious words and not content with that, Neither doth he himself receive the brethren. You know, interpreting this verse is Dorotrophes had taken over people that had been won to the Lord by John. John was the loving apostle that wrote most about love. But if you fired John up, watch out. <laughs> he could come to you with a stick. And this is what he said he was doing here. He, they were actually forbidding Diotrephes was forbidding people to come in and fellowship in the church if they had anything to do with the Apostle John. Now, this is not a new thing. This is way back in the early church. 
And it goes on and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. And beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil is, of, is not seen God. He almost said, diatrophies is of the devil. And that's what he's almost said there. He, got, he, he was pretty black and white in what he said. <clears throat> and so they railed on Moses. They railed on John. They railed on Aaron. You take too much. Very much like old Diotrephes. In James chapter 4 and verse 10, we read, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. This is what they should have done. Notice verse 4 of what Moses did, and when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. He isn't thumping the ground with his fists and getting mad. He's humbling himself before the Lord. He probably saying, Lord, really, I don't want this position anymore, but I'm not going to let them have it. <laughs> and he spoke unto Korah and unto all his company in verse 5, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him. And him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. I like that. <laughs> he put it pointedly, didn't he? The him who he hath chosen. As 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 and 6 says, Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, as Moses did under the mighty hand of God, as these men should have done when Moses spoke to them, but they didn't. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. <clears throat> I pray that we have that attitude, the attitude of Moses, the attitude that Peter talked about in 1 Peter 5 there. <clears throat> Tomorrow, the Lord will show us. Tomorrow, it will be revealed. And Mo Moses was very right in what he did here. Then we see the re they resisted their calling. So the conspiracy of the rebels... They rose up, they railed on Moses, they, re they resented and resisted the calling of God upon them. Verse 7 through to 8. What tribe did these people belong to, Korah and his friends? Well, verse 7, put a fire therein and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord hath chosen, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And so here's Moses replying to them. You sons of Levi. Wow, the sons of Levi. They ought to have been thankful for their tribe and that, that their tribe had been advanced to be ministers of the Lord in the tabernacle. But they weren't contented with that. They wanted the job of Moses. They were complaining that Aaron's family was advanced above their family. The high priest, the priest that was very important the children of Israel. We ought not to compare ourselves with one another, it says, because God has made us as we are. They were distinguished people, as we said earlier. Verse 8 and 9, And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel. You are an important tribe. Why do you want more than what God has given you? You are chosen, verse 7, 
and verse 5, it talks about the choosing of God of them. They had that distinguished position to draw near to God, as it reads in verse 9, to bring you near to himself. And they had a distinguished work to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And so to stand before the congregation, to draw near to God, to do the service of the tabernacle. These fellows, this tribe, was particularly chosen to do just that. But they didn't want that. Well, they wanted that and they wanted more. Distinguished by God himself to that position, and Moses is right in what he said to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it reads, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body. Who, who set the members in the body in the church? God set the members in the body. He's given the pastors, the elders, the bishops, the deacons, the people, the prayers, the givers. The, he's put them into the church. God did that. Do we believe in the sovereignty of God, that he's able to do that in a church? Yes, we do. <laughs> And let's live, live it and practice it. Verse 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body to, God tempered the body together. Verse 28. This is 1 Corinthians 12 again. And God hath set some in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that miracles and so on. He reads. We read there. So God has done this. Cora, why are you complaining? Folks, why complain against the leadership if God has put it there? You're complaining against God. You're going against the will of God to do that. Hey, like Moses, you can have it if you want it. (laughs) You don't know what it's about. You just don't know unless you've been there and done that. (laughs) Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. It reads, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? They were replying against God. A chosen tribe, a chosen ministry, but they were still rebelling against God. Shall the thing formed say to him, God that formed it, Why hast, you made, why hast thou made me thus? Why did you give me this miserable position? <laughs> Hath not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honour and another to dishonour? God's choosing. It's God's business. Potter and the clay. First Corinthians 4, 7. For who, who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as, as if thou hast not received it? Ah, as Moses said, seemeth it a small thing to you? God made us. God had us designed way before the world began. Each of us, with all our personality, our talents and our abilities, our height, our colour, our our nation, everything. All that was way before the world began. You're replying against God. You're fighting against God, those who are rising up here. God has invested so much in you, he's looking for a return. He's invested If it wasn't for God, would any of us be here? No. If it wasn't for God, the universe wouldn't be here either. Nor this great world we live on. If it wasn't for God, there wouldn't be all the promises of heaven and the wonderful streets of God. If it wasn't for God, none of this would be. Let's get ourselves in the right position and perspective before Almighty God. 
And so we see they resented their calling in those verses. Do you resent the position God's given you in life? No, accept it. Rejoice in it. Work in it. Labor in it. Serve in it. That's what God wants you to do. That's what these fellows should have done. And then verse 10, the realization of Moses, he said, And he hath brought thee, he's talking to the tribe of Levi and Korah and his friends, He hath brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also? Do you want to take that off Aaron? That's what the realization of Moses said. You're, you're trying to get onto his patch. <laughs> you ever done that? Picking raspberries, picking strawberries, or picking loganberries? Or, uh, way back when I was a teenager doing that at Mombok, Uncle, Uncle Ron's property. And uh, you'd be looking at your brother or sister or whatever on the other row and their, their bin's fuller than mine. It must be better over there. So you go into their patch. <laughs> They've got better raspberries. There's more, more on that. Uncle Ron must have watered them better. <laughs> we went on another other person's patch. I remember doing a job at the, uh, for the uh, Seventh-day Adventists and building a hospital site at the other end of Warburton. Ever been to Warburton? You go up the other end, go out toward East Warburton and up on the left there's a, there's a hospital that's closed down but there's an old people home still going and well, anyways me and another fella he had his bulldozer and I had mine and we're pushing away and then he's got to go on like this and so he'd back up and well I was forward and get into onto my patch and he'd give me the patch that he'd made like this like the waves of the sea the trouble is he'd been drinking before he got there and he was drinking when he was there on the bulldozer, and as a, we had a fall of 20 foot straight out. Anyway, he went to a safer patch, and I had to get onto his patch and level it off. And then he made that one all wavy. And so he kept on getting onto my patch. And I was getting pretty crook about it, but I didn't say anything. And I never got paid for that job. <laughs> so if there's any Seventh-day Adventist listening, I figured it out. You know, it doubles every 10 years. You owe me about $150,000. <laughs> Say? He did. He did. That's it. That's it. I really kicking him. I mean, me about that. Anyway, these guys wanted on Moses's patch. They wanted Aaron's patch. It's better. You know, the grass is always greener in the other paddock. You don't know what it's like. It might be better. It looks taller. Sheep do that, don't they? They dash forward when you let them into a paddock and they're always trying to get the first bit of green, green blade of grass. They move and, and stomp it all down. Anyway, what happens when you try to cut a tree down with a sledgehammer? Doesn't work. You might, you might bark the tree. You take all the bark off, but you won't cut it down. You need an axe or a chainsaw. And so it is with God's work God puts people in positions. Don't try to make a grab for it. You'll be fighting against the Lord. It's a wrong wrong application. It's like, well, I can't but use illustrations from my own life's experience with, do you know what an excavator is? It's one of those that's got a bucket and digs that way, or you can push that way too. Ask David. He's got one, I think. (laughs) Still? Yep, and <clears throat> you do it that. What's a trascovator then? Ah, <laughs> I think I got them all. 
But then there's a scraper. You know what a scraper is? What, a, what about a grader? You get them all in your mind? Now, I need to hold pictures up now. <laughs> Did you get it right? You see, you don't try to make an excavator or a bulldozer do what a grader does. It's got a certain application. That can, you know, an excavator will dig trenches and dig big holes quickly. A scraper will pick up dirt and carry it to another place and dump it there. You know, and a bulldozer will, it's very versatile, but it won't dig, it can dig a trench, but a lot slower than an excavator. You know, you, there's applications of things. And so it is in Christian circles with our gifts and abilities. We've got applications and we need to apply ourselves to those areas and perfect those areas. And by the end of our life, we should be able to hear the Lord say, well done, when we get to heaven, thou good and faithful servant, you laboured in what I gifted you to do. One talent, two talent, ten talent, whatever. They rebelled against God, not man. Verse 11. This is in Numbers 16. For which causes you both... For which cause... Both thou and thy company are gathered together against the Lord. Not against me. You're against the Lord, Moses said. And what is Aaron? <laughs> Poor old Aaron. <laughs> what is he? <laughs> it's like Moses pointing to his big brother and saying, what do you think he is? <laughs> it's sort of a bit of a put down, I think, for Aaron. What is Aaron? <laughs> that you're, you're rising up and murmur against him. You know, he's doing his job. He's learned his lesson already in chapter 12. <clears throat> Abide in the calling in which you were called. Listen to what it says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17. It says this, But as God hath distributed to every man as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk even, no, as I ordained I in all the churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Is any man called being uncircumcised? He goes on. Verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling in which he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Stay in the application. Stay in the gifted area is what he's saying. You are brought with a price, glory. Be not the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called there abide with God. Stick with it, Korah. Go back to what you should be doing. Don't try to grab somebody else's ministry. They rebelled against God, not man. Yes, verse 11. Those resist the prince, the Lord, who resist those who are commissioned by the prince. God sent his servants. Read it in Matthew 21. God sent the priests. God sent the prophets. God sent these people to do his work. It's God's business. Leave it to him to choose who does what. And just abide in your calling. Um, <clears throat> Woe to him that striveth with his maker. We haven't got time there to move to and read Isaiah 45 verses 9 to 11. Next, they rejected Moses' invitation in verse 12. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Eliab, who said, what did they say? When Moses said, come on, come out, we'll talk about this. They said, we will not come. 
their pride is seen here. This is the very thing that they were rebelling against, Moses' leadership. They weren't about to listen to what he said in inviting him to come. Who does he think he is? We're going to call the shots, Moses, not you. We'll have our meeting when we want our meeting. (laughs) We won't come to your meeting. Who made thee a ruler over us? And if you've got time later on, turn to Acts chapter 7, verse 27 and verse 37. And there Stephen, preaching his first, his only, and his famous sermon, because he was executed at the end of it. (laughs) Pray to God that doesn't happen today. I think you're with me. (laughs) But, yeah, out in the car park we'll meet. (laughs) No. Stephen is quoting about Moses. And Moses, remember, when he killed the Egyptian and then the next day he was talking to his brethren who were fighting before they left Egypt. And the reply to Moses was, Who do you think you are? Not quite, that's in English. (laughs) Who made thee a ruler over us? And that's what these Korites were saying. Who made you in charge? Who put you there? And Moses could say, absolutely, God put me there. And we must turn to this one. I know I'm skipping a lot of the references I'd like to, but Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. Remember them who have the rule over you. And it's talking in a spiritual sense. Not the government, not in the family, but in the church family. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. In this day of do your own thing, pleasing self, exalt self, serve self, throw off all restraints, rebel against authority, watch out we don't become one of them. The government against God, people against the government, people against the pastors, wives against husbands, children against parents, watch out we don't get the heart of Korah in rebelling against the Lord's authority. It can infect you. It can affect other people. Don't say, I know better. Employee against employer. Have we got that round right? Um, You know, rebelling, I know better. Hey, he has to foot the bill. Let him make the choices if he's the boss. I heard someone talk about a church, and I can't recall who or where it was, many years ago. It, this church became known as the preacher's graveyard. You know what that meant? If you went as a pastor there, that was the end of your pastorate. <laughs> because of the self-confident, cocky, controlling men who wanted a weak-willed man, a puppet pastor, whom they could control. The his type of men were in that church, apparently. I know at times I've been in the sights or crosshairs of idiotrophies. And the, the pastor senses that at times. Those who covet leadership in the church. There was an instance when I heard via a third party 
that I was retiring and someone was filling my shoes <laughs> from a long way away. And it was news to me. And my reply, just, oh, what? <laughs> I'm not dead yet. That's what I said. I'm just, <laughs> I'm still kicking. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> there was another occasion where Adiotrophes was phoning around the church here and arranging a meeting on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. What do we have here at 7 o'clock on Wednesday? A prayer meeting. And they were phoning around, having it at the same time. And there's a faithful old member said, did you ask the pastor? Does he know this is happening? No. <laughs> and they did it. He said, and they said, well, we're going to. <laughs> and they did. Next week they were gone. Next week they had to leave. They couldn't stay in the church. And, and I mean, I don't want, this is, we have a meeting already. You know, well, why are you starting another one? <clears throat> and, and their comment to me was this when they left. We're amazed that you let us become members. <laughs> and then, why? Because they believed a lot of things we didn't. I didn't know, but they said they believed what we believed. Now that's been plain dishonest, isn't it? <clears throat> At business meetings, folks, people might have asked, might have thought, why did such and such happen or leave? I've been bursting to tell people the whole story, but you can't. Can, can you, Pastor McConnell? You just can't say it because it's confidentiality. You can't say what you know. And I've said before, I keep a diary. I don't keep a diary because I'm a policeman or anything. I just keep a diary. <laughs> I write down what happened. You know, when we first joyfully met these folks and now they're against you. You know, Paul had the same problem with the church at Galatia. Did he not? In chapter 4 of Galatians, he said, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. What's happened? Now you want to beat me up. <laughs> These people got saved through him preaching. They were going to heaven because he shared the gospel with them and now they want to kick him out. Ah, not good. Not good. Uh, <clears throat> they rejected Moses' invitation to come to a meeting. They remonstrated against Moses in verse 13 and 14. I'm not even going to look at my clock, don't you either? <laughs> Verse 13 and 14, we're getting there, we're up to verse 17. 13 and 14, it reads in, in a, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in this wilderness? Except thou make thyself a prince over us? We're, they're really getting stuck into him now. <laughs> Their sarcastic twist. You've taken us from the land of milk and honey. You promised to take us to the land of milk and honey. Notice the the reversing of the words in the next next verse. They levelled five charges against Moses here, that he had done a great deal of wrong, these ungrateful wretches. <laughs> he had done a great deal of wrong? He was pleading with them before God on many occasions. They charged him with a design upon their lives, that he wanted to kill them in verse 13, as we've just read, to kill us in this wilderness. Yet they were so well provided for. There was a cloud by day to shade them from the heat of the, the desert sun. 
There was a fire by night to give them light to walk about the camp. There was food provided every morning from heaven. There were shoes that never wore out for 40 years and clothes also. What more do you want, folk? (laughs) And yet they were charging him with a design to kill them. Why would he provide for them and kill them? (laughs) Doesn't, Doesn't make sense. God's man preaches God's word to provide for you and your security for eternity. A real man of God. Now, yes, there are men of God, well, men in the pulpits who might pretend to be the man of God. And at the end of the message tonight, you'll get what to do there. (laughs) How to deal with that situation. They charged him thirdly with the design, yes, upon their liberties. By making himself, as the end of verse 13, a prince, thou makest thyself altogether a prince over us. You know, you, you want to be up there like God, do you, Moses? And that wasn't his motive or intention at all. He didn't have that. He, he, he may not have answered them. He may not have come to their rescue all the time. He was one man amongst two million people. He had a lot on his plate. Remember that in church. Remember that. But he, they charged him with that, to take away their liberties and make himself a prince over them. Yet he intercedes strongly for them in Exodus 32. He interceded for them and he prayed to God. He said, kill me, but not them. You talk about a humble bloke. <laughs> he wanted them to live and him to die in Exodus 32 verse 30. He was a tender father to them. He a devoted servant for the Lord's sake for them. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, we read this. Paul saying, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, ye have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Not only the Galatians, but the Corinthians were against Paul after he had seen them come to know the Lord Jesus. In verse 18 of the same chapter, Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them who are puffed up, like Korah, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not... In word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love? How do you want me to come to you? Do you want to change your attitude so I come to you in love? Or do you want me to come because your attitude is not changed with a rod, Paul said, and do some correcting among you? In Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 10, Paul pursues again the subject of their rejection of him as their spiritual father, so to speak. In verse 8, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, the Corinthians said, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will we be indeed when we come to you, when we come present. Paul was not afraid to front these people. 
And Moses wasn't afraid. And many other verses in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, speak of that. If people, if Christians today can't win an argument against the leader, they start name-calling. What names do you use? Legalist, control freak, dictator. (laughs) We've had Dictator Dan on the TV. I mean, people (laughs) calling him Dictator Dan on the media. (laughs) You know, he's taking a break. He's taking a holiday. Did you hear? <laughs> he he held up pretty well all the time that that was happening, didn't he? He he, he let it out a few times. <laughs> but so within a church it can happen. So within a Christian society, in a in a believing group, a, a group of men of faith, this was happening back there in Numbers. They charged Moses third, fourthly with cheating them, raising their expectations of going to a land that flowed with milk and honey and then defeating them. Verse 14, Moreover, thou hast not brought us to the land that flows with milk and honey. And as we said in verse 13, you've taken us from Egypt, the land flowing with milk and honey. And give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards that you promised to us. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. We will not listen to you. (laughs) We won't come to your meeting. And the char- <laughs> they were charging him with unfair dealing, putting out the eyes, like saying, you've deliberately blinded us so you can lead us where you want to lead us. And last of all, verse um, 15 to 17, the, Moses' resentment of their insolence. And Moses was wroth and said unto the Lord, respect not their offering. <laughs> He's, telling, he's asking the Lord, don't respect their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. I've only done good to them. I've only tried to meet their needs. I've buried their old people. I've married their young people. I've done this and I've preached the word. I've laboured night and day, says the pastor. But yet they do this to me. They didn't even pay me right. You know, I haven't taken anything from them. They keep the, keep the preacher poor, then he can't do what he designs to do to us. You know, he can't pull out our eyes and, and uh, not take us to the land. Keep him poor. That's what Moses is saying in verse 15. This is, he said, I haven't taken it from you. Moses, in verse 16, said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. There's a confrontation coming, isn't there? And that's in tonight's service. We see Moses appealed to the Lord, and that's all we can do. If we're in a church where the pastor is gone off, then we need to appeal to God and leave it with him. And it might take some years. I know there are some pastors that are not on earth anymore because that's the way they treated their congregation. I know it can be that way. And I know why the Lord took them. I won't name them, never. (laughs) But I know who they are. And it sort of gives you a warning as a pastor. Don't go there. (laughs) You're going to be taken by the Lord. You know, some are sick, some are weak, and some are dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Leave it with the Lord. Moses, was, as the leader, was leaving it with the Lord. He appealed to God. 
that God wouldn't respect their offering. And I meant to start with this, but we didn't go there. And we'll conclude with it in Jude, verse 11 and 12, because it talks about Korah and others. Verse 11 and 12 of Jude. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Don't respect their offering. That was said, God did not respect the offering of Cain. And it ties it here in Jude with Korah. They ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. They perished in the gang saying of Korah. These in the church now we're speaking are spots in your love feast or feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, they're apostates. That's what it's saying. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. And so there in the New Testament, the conclusion where Jude was going to write about the common salvation, he had to warn the people instead about those that would creep in like the Korahs and try to take over. And one last verse, let me, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they breed strives. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, just like Moses was, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose himself, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What? Pray to God. Pastor prays. The people pray. Let God's will be done. Don't try to get in on another man's patch. God has given the job to him. To you, another job. To another, another job. Do what God has called you to do. Let's work and live at harmony in the church. And God's name be glorified as we do. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Bless it to our hearts. It's been a longer sermon but lord may we learn the lessons of the examples from the old testament and not have to learn them at our own expense which is costly thank you for moses thank you for his ministry thank you for his meekness thank you for his humility thank you for his leadership but lord you had to deal with him too at the end he wasn't allowed in the promised land And Lord, I pray that leaders and laity, people in the church, would just obey your word and work for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.